The Path of Resistance podcast is the podcast for people wanting to learn how living life with intentionality can lead us to living our best lives. In today's world, the norm is to follow the path of least resistance, which leads to mediocrity at best. Instead, you should strive to take the path of resistance, knowing that what's to come is sweeter than what you ever could have imagined. I'm your host, Carly Welty. Join me as I interview guests who have taken the path of resistance in all areas of life and are here to share the beauty that has brought them. On this journey, you can expect to hear stories about finances, faith, business, mindset, and anything in between. Let's dive in. Today, I have on the podcast with me, Diana Keller. She is an entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and one-on-one life coach that focuses on moving past limiting beliefs and helping you take action in your life. Diana is the founder of the Fierce Ladies Collective, which is open to women in the Midwest who are searching for community, accountability, and friendship. As a public speaker, she has planned and spoken at over 20 events within her first year of business. She is passionate about friendship, taking action, and community. In this episode, Diana gives us some tips on how to move past limiting beliefs and follow your dreams. Let's dive in. Hi, Diana. How are you? I'm good, Carly. How are you doing? I'm good. And I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. We're going to talk about some good stuff, but let's start out with my first question that I always ask, which is what (laughs) is an example of a time that you took the path of resistance, which led to a more beautiful result? So I could probably name a few moments in my life where I've really felt this way. Um, but I'll give kind of the easiest answer of, uh, the deciding to leave a career that I had for about 10 years, um, it to pursue, I don't know what. So I, in 2020, prior to COVID, actually, I decided to leave my job of, as a teacher and without really any plan of what I was going to do next, but I did it because I knew it wasn't aligned for me at the time. So it was a huge path of resistance because I had to find what was going to be next for me without really knowing what was ahead um, and knowing that it could be very, very scary, but I did it anyway. <laughs> so I would say leaving leaving a career I had for 10 years. Yeah, that's crazy. What, what grade did you teach? So I taught high school. I taught um, mostly sophomores, but I had some freshmen and juniors as well. Um, I taught math. So a lot of geometry, algebra one and algebra two. Ooh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> I love math. Anytime, even still, I I still deep down love teaching, maybe just not in a classroom anymore. And that wasn't really what was aligned for me. But anytime I get a tutor or anything, like I just get so excited because I love to teach. <laughs> yeah, I love teaching too. I actually, as a grad assistant at New Mexico State University, I got to teach um a managerial accounting class. And I Mm. loved it. I was like nerding out. Those kids probably were like, this lady is crazy. (laughs) I am sure my students felt the exact same way. Cause I would get so excited. Like when we would do like quadratic formula was really high up on my list of like favorite things. And then when I got to do like combinatorics, so like permutations and combinations, that was really high on my list. And I would nerd out so hard. And I always told them that I like one of my favorite parts of teaching was actually making the answer keys because it was like so therapeutic to just like go through and do the problems myself. <laughs> You're like, who so in funny. their right mind loves doing that? <laughs> Diana, that's who. <laughs> yeah, it's me. It's me. So you um, talked about you left because it wasn't in alignment. And you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned it was because you didn't really appreciate the classroom setting. What about not being in alignment, did you feel was happening? 
So the way that I describe it to people is when I got up to teach, it almost felt like an out-of-body experience. Like I wasn't, I was really going through the motions, but I wasn't in love with it like I used to be. Like the the rapport with the students wasn't as strong as it used to be. And I, I just really struggled with feeling excited when I was in the classroom. And so it was, I was just dreading going to work. And I promised myself from the very beginning of my teaching career, I said, if I no longer love teaching, I'm going to leave because we've all had teachers who we knew didn't love their jobs. And the class was miserable. And I didn't, I don't think it was fair to the students. And I didn't think it was fair to myself to be miserable in that role. And so once I realized that I was, I said, that's it. I, this is, this is the time to walk away. Yeah, that's wise. And that is true. We've all had those teachers where you're like, you don't want to be here. You make me not want to be here. Like, why are right. we here? <laughs> why Why are we here? This is awful for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so since then, you've done a lot of things. Can you tell us what all you've done since you've left teaching? Sure. So I'll kind of back up to what happened right after I left teaching. So I left teaching in May of 2020. Um, and it was really a I really knew that I was done when COVID happened and we didn't have to go back for the rest of the school year. And I was so happy about that. And I said, okay, that's, this is a clear sign that I'm done. And so in May of 2020, right after the school year had ended, I was, I was driving to target like of all things. And it just hit me that I knew I wanted to do professional development. I was listening to a podcast and it literally hit me like a bag of rocks. Like I want to, I want to do something in professional development or personal development in the personal development space. And since then I started a blog in 2020 that was really personal development focused, very mindset, very, um, just focused on helping people break through limiting beliefs to help them take action. And since then, the blog is no longer around, but I turned it into a podcast in 2021. I launched a book in 2022. I launched my business in 2022. And just recently, I started a community called the Fierce Ladies Collective, which is dedicated to women in the Midwest who are looking for community, whether that's friendships, whether that's other business owners, whether that's other moms, just people to lean into when they feel like they don't have anything else. And we host monthly meetups. And so I've been doing a lot of kind of new experiences. So I've kind of ventured into a lot of things, personal development since I left the classroom. Nice. That is a lot that you've done. Um, (laughs) It is a lot. (laughs) And I'm not sure, did you mention public speaking? No. So yeah. Okay. I guess I I didn't mention that one either. So When I launched my book, I decided that I was going to start public speaking kind of to help bring awareness to my book. And so in the span of about two months, I did about 20 different speaking engagements where I would go, I would talk about my book. And it was really like a mini event where people could hear me speak and get to engage with me and then also get to check out what my book was and what my book's about because it's not like a novel. So my book is called Stop Talking About the Weather and is a collection of different conversation starters and prompts to help people have more authentic conversation. So not only would they get to meet me and and kind of hear me speak, but they also got to utilize the book and, and check out what it meant to have better conversations. 
That sounds so fun. Okay. So tell us what your podcast is called so that we can all look at that. Yeah. So my podcast is called keep moving forward and it actually comes from a Disney movie. So in about 2007, there's a Disney movie that came out called meet the Robinsons and a very just kind of high level overview. It's about this kid who's an inventor and throughout the movie, he's learning to love himself through his failures and this is a big ode to Walt Disney's Imagineers and how important it is for them to keep moving forward even when they face failure over and over again. And so my podcast, Keep Moving Forward, is truly dedicated to moving past limiting beliefs, moving past failures, and helping people to take action in their life even when it's really hard or when it's really scary. That's so encouraging. And so with all the things that you've done since you've quit your job and moved, or I should say pivoted, because that's Mm -hmm. really what you did. What do you think was the hardest to start and just like get move past those limiting beliefs for you? Um, It was definitely the fear that I was not going to be good at anything um, because I was really good at teaching and I knew I was really good at teaching. And I was so scared that when I left teaching, I would never be good at anything. And I think that we all kind of deal with that imposter syndrome to some degree. And especially when you're pivoting, pivoting your life, you think, what if I fail at this completely? What if I am awful at this? And I left the only thing that I was ever good at. And so I think for me, just working through the fear of what would be next um, and understanding or working through that fear um, that I could be good at something, but it would just take time. I love how you said you could be good at something, but it would take time because it kind of speaks towards instant gratification in today's world. And everyone, especially on Instagram, they're all selling like, oh, start this business and make millions in three mm-hmm. months. And oh, yeah. show you, it's like such a hoax. But anyways, um, nothing worth working for is like instantly you're instantly good at right and so I love how you said that it takes time so over the last year working through that what reflection have you had to say okay I am like improving on this so honestly it it took a lot of asking questions so when I when I started you know, my business, when I started my podcast, it required me to ask a lot of questions of, is this aligned for me? Who am I wanting to serve? Um, am I serving the right people? And, and continuing to ask myself questions to dig deeper and get down to the root of what I was doing. And when I ask myself questions, I realize that I can see things almost from like 30,000 feet. Because I think what happens is when we're in the thick of it, we feel very overwhelmed or we feel inadequate. We feel like we're an imposter. But when we ask ourselves the questions to kind of take a step back, we can start to see, oh my gosh, I did that and it worked out really well. Or um, I, you can you can just start to see things from maybe a little bit of a different perspective. And when I ask myself questions in journal, there's a lot more that comes out of me that I don't necessarily think about in the moment. Yeah. Journaling is so tough for me because I, it takes so much time to like go through those questions. So like, did you repeatedly ask the same questions for yourself to be like, okay, what am I, what's my truest answer to this question? 
So yes, I do that. Something that I start every journal prompt with that actually helps a lot is what am I grateful for today? And why am I grateful for it? What feelings and emotions are coming up as I'm thinking about this? And when you kind of enter it from a place of gratitude, the questions kind of come naturally and the answers come naturally as well. So it it's hard and it takes a lot of time, but the question, if I start with like a place of gratitude, it, it helps a lot. That's interesting that you said, I write what I'm grateful for and then why I'm grateful for it. Because something like, I, obviously that's a very common you know, trick to journaling is start with uh, gratitude. But do you ever find yourself repeating stuff? Because that's where I'm like, you know, you get, you you journal say once a day or even every other day Mm -hmm. or a couple times a week. And you're like, okay, this is what I'm grateful for. And it's not necessarily that you're not grateful for it, but it's like a repeat. So then it's just like going through the motions. Do you ever feel that way? Yes. So when I, when that happens to me, I ask myself the question, well, why is that specifically coming up today? Like, why does that feel like something I'm super grateful for today? Because so something that I frequently will say is like, I'll wake up and say like, I'm really thankful for a good night's sleep. And that's like a really easy one. But today, like I'll say like, why am I really grateful for a good night's sleep? Was it because I had a lot of emotions last night that I was processing? Is it because I have a full plate today? Like, why is that the thing that's coming up for me? as I'm being really grateful for, is it, was I able to process something through my sleep? So yes, that comes up a lot, but I, but I think the why, why am I grateful for it can change a lot. That's good. That's good. You've gone through this journey of pivoting and then you were scared to start. You had these limiting beliefs, but then now you're helping other people move through their limiting beliefs, primarily through like your podcast and now your book and speaking engagements. So what is one thing that you would say to someone who's scared to start something new? So I would ask them what they're scared of. That is a very common first question that I start with. Because it's not always, and I won't even say not always, it's not typical that people are actually scared. It's why they're scared. Um, Because for a lot of people, it'll be things like imposter syndrome, or they're scared of the financial change, or they're scared of what people will think of them. And so it's not necessarily the change that they're scared of. It's the what happens because of the change. So I'll usually start there um, and and work through those emotions with someone when, when they're experiencing a lot of fear with change. And so whenever you experience your pivot and your change, you said you were scared that you were, you wouldn't be good at anything. Is that kind of the why kind of a good example of the why you're scared? Yeah. I think that that's a really big one. Imposter syndrome, I think resonates with a lot of people. And so I would say that that's probably going to be the most common one other than fear of what other people will think. Um, because you know, I could say this, how often have you wanted to do something and be like, Oh my God, they're going to think I'm so stupid. If I say that, or they're going to think I'm so stupid if I do that. And then we don't follow through with those things because we're scared of what other people think. So other than imposter syndrome, I would say the fear of what other people think are going to be the two really big ones that I hear most often. So I'm going to ask you a million dollar question. (laughs) How do you get past the fear of what other people will think? Ooh, that is, that is a million dollar question. Um, I would say that 
I'm going to actually give you an analogy that my therapist gave to me when I was kind of going through this. And she said, first of all, you have to realize that you're never not going to worry about what other people think, but you still have to do it. And here's why one, because it's aligned for you, you are, you are living your own life. You're not living for anybody else's life. So you have to do things that are aligned for you. And when you do things that are aligned for you, it's like you're a gear. Okay. Gears all, they, they work all together. They all flow in a specific direction because they all run, you know, together. And it's like taking that gear, which is you and moving the direction. So let's say it moves clockwise. We're now moving it counterclockwise. All of the other gears that are around it are going to have to adjust And there's going to be pressure to try and move back to the way that you were moving before, but you have to continue pushing and you're going to have to deal with that resistance, knowing that it is right for you, knowing that it's aligned for you. So you can't just completely forget that other people, what other people think, because that's going to be there forever, just like the other gears around you. But the important thing is that you focus on you in the direction you're moving and knowing that the gears around you will learn to adjust. Oh, that's good. I need a, I need a <laughs> second to process, Adam. That's a pretty good analogy. It's just, it's such a work in progress, right? It's oh, it every is. day you have to think about these things because it's not just like, oh, I'm a gear now and I'm going counterclockwise and here we are. It's so much harder than that, but that's a good analogy to start it- with. And, and it's really hard. And I'll give you a, another analogy. So um, last month, my husband went on a vacation with his brother and mom, and I stayed home for the week. And every day that week, I, it was so easy for me to journal in the morning, journal in the evening. My day was like super well scheduled because I only had to worry about me. But when he came home, it made it a lot harder to stick to those routines because I wanted to do things like spend time with him in the evenings when when he was gone, I was journaling. And realizing that there is a way to integrate my individual time and how I and how I spend my time with other people. And kind of finding that rhythm takes time. Even still, like it, for one week, I was super solid. But then when he came back, like finding that rhythm and when is it time, like when is best for me to journal and still be able to spend time with him? When is it best for me to make dinner and still be able to tidy at the end of the night? All of those things are a work in progress. And even though I did them super solid for one week, learning how to integrate that with him being home is a change that I'm still trying to figure out. And it's been a month and a half. Do my best to kind of look at my days and, and say, okay, this is, you know, the tentative time that I want to do things and, and do my best to follow that, but understand that I can't like limit myself to, you know, specific time blocks, because I know at least personally, if my schedule goes off the handle, it can sometimes send me in a spiral of, oh my gosh, I'm not getting anything done today. I've completely gone, you know, off my rocker and all of those things. But understanding that there's a, another podcaster who says this a lot that really helps me, but um, schedules are tools, not chains. So understanding that when, and this is specific to like me, like scheduling things, but you can make this whatever you want, um, journaling or or just your daily habits. They're tools for you to get better, but they're not chains to keep you, I have to be, you know, segmented. 
Mm-hmm. Do you use, do you have an accountability partner? Because I feel like there's such a balance between they're not chains, they're tools. But if you say that every day, at some point, you're not going to follow through and journal at all. So there's I, some sort of balance that you have to keep. I love this question. And actually, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about probably for the last few months. And it's that line between a, uh, between accountability and compassion to yourself. And so I actually just interviewed someone and they were talking about this. And I really love the way that, that she said this and it's compassion. Isn't give yourself everything all the time. Grace isn't give yourself everything all the time. And accountability isn't, I have to stick to my schedule tooth and nail. There is overlap. And, and I think that we need to learn that giving ourselves compassion means holding ourselves accountable. It means that we're doing the really good things for our body and for our minds. And it's not just eating cake and ice cream or going to get massages all the time. Compassion and accountability, they they meet where we are doing what is best for ourselves in a healthy way. Um, to answer your question of, do I have an accountability partner? Yes and no. Um, I think I've gotten it down really well to hold myself accountable while also being compassionate. But my Fierce Ladies Collective, I lean into that group too. And if I ever need it. I love how um, you put the compassion and accountability and it makes me think of like discipline. So you have to you know, use your discipline to kind of do the things that are best for you. You might not want to work out, but you have to be self-disciplined enough to be like, okay, if I work out, it'll increase my endorphins or whatever the science Mm -hmm. is behind it. It's going Mm -hmm. to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even though that's not really what you want to do, (laughs) compassion isn't just sitting on the couch because you don't want to work out and giving yourself everything. Exactly. I would challenge anyone who's kind of struggling with this compassion or accountability or giving yourself grace versus like following through with yourself, kind of ask yourself two questions. Like one, if this was a promise I made to somebody else, would I show up for it? So, you know, for example, if you're like, I'm going to eat super healthy today. Like if you made a promise to your friend, like I'm going to make you a really healthy meal today are you going to follow through on that? Or are you going to be like, oh, just kidding, like figure out your own meal for yourself today? Um, So ask yourself, like, if this was a promise you made to somebody else, would you show up for it? And then the second question that I would encourage you to ask is like, is this going to serve me today? Because I'll give you an example of like a workout. So, you know, like sometimes if you, especially if you're just starting to work out after like one or two workouts, you might be really sore (laughs) because your body isn't used to it. And so on day three, you're like, okay, do I want to work out today or do I need to take a rest day? So ask yourself, what is going to serve my body best today? What is going to serve my physical body? What is going to serve my mental, my mental space? What is going to serve my body best today? And then go with that route because giving yourself, again, compassion and accountability is what is serving my body best? What is serving my mind, my heart, my soul? What is serving me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to make it more relevant to the business realm of, or even like if you work a nine to five, which I know a lot of people, it's not actually nine to five, but a full-time job for Mm -hmm. someone else, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, you have to think about the thing, like, I don't know, I always kind of do the things that I want to do. And then I'm somewhat of a procrastinator. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then I like wait up until the deadline to do it because 
but I need to use my self-discipline to say like, no, do this today. Will it serve me today? Yes. Because then I won't be stressed about it tomorrow. So I don't I'm going to give you a tip that has really helped me in those moments is when I do something that future me is going to be super thankful for. So like, let me say, um, like if I had wrapped all of my Christmas presents two weeks ago, I knew that I would get to get to like this time and be like, wow, I'm super thankful that past me did all of this because, because I did this in this moment, I don't feel stress in this moment. I'm able to do five other things. So when I, when I do something that future me is going to be super thankful for, when I get to su- to future me, I like thank past me. Like, I know that sounds super goofy, but I actually go like, take a minute to like, thank myself for, for not procrastinating or for doing something that's going to make my life easier in that moment, because it really helps me reframe the importance of doing things for yourself or, or, or being prepared or not procrastinating those types of things. Yeah. It kind of just acknowledges the, the discipline that you had then thanking yourself. And then you think about it, it encourages future discipline. That's mm-hmm. good. I like mm-hmm. that tip. I really like, I get really, really excited when I, and it's so funny because sometimes I really forget about them. I used to do it all the time by like putting $5 in my coat at the end of like the cold season and then finding it again. And I would actively be like, thank you. Because it was always such like, uh, it brought a smile to my face. It was like an act of kindness towards myself for doing something, um, that I knew would help me in the future. Yeah, that's funny. I <laughs> used to just... do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I go kind of jumping around now. I want to ask you about public speaking. So you kind of did it because you wrote your book and you wanted to. What's the word I'm looking for? Not advertise, but like you like, know, but it's... bring awareness, market it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring awareness to your book. And so, were you ever afraid of public speaking? Um, I'm gonna have to say. Probably not. I'm in the very small uh, minority of people who would probably say that, but I had 10 years as a teacher that I think really prepared me because that's essentially what I did. I did mini public speaking lessons every single day when I got in front of the classroom. And so I knew what it was like to prepare a speech or prepare a lesson and what I needed to do to to engage my audience, what I needed to do to create understanding. And so public speaking was never super scary for me because I just thought of it as another opportunity to use my teaching skills. So I've always really enjoyed it because I love sharing knowledge and seeing that light bulb go on for people. And I really think that that's kind of what public speaking is, is just watching the light bulb turn on for so many. Yeah. And I like how you said you had practice like preparing something, because I think that's what a lot of people get scared of is they're not prepared whenever they are, you know, going to speak. And that's so important. I haven't done much public speaking myself. I would probably be in the category where I am scared (laughs) to do public speaking, but it really depends on what it is too. Because like whenever I taught, I would teach in front of a classroom of, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 people. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, I was nervous, but I wasn't like scared to speak in front of them. I think if you feel confident in the content that you're talking about, it's not very scary. And something that if, if, you know, it ever comes up of like, whoo, I, I kind of feel butterflies. I, I just remind myself that I know what I'm doing. Like I, I, 
I've prepared, I've, you know, learned a lot about this and, and am ready to share it with others. And, you know, this is a very common thing to think about is they don't know when you're going to mess up. They, if you mess up, they probably don't catch it. And so if you, if you just go into it, knowing that one, you know what you're talking about and two, they probably won't know if you mess up, then it makes it a lot less scary. Yeah. I think what I struggle with is like, am I going to just blink? (laughs) Am I going to be talking? And then just like, nothing's there because I'm so worried about what the people are like thinking. I guess it goes back to like fear of what people are thinking of you. But yeah, I'm like, even if I messed up while I was talking, I agree with you. Like they might not know that you messed up, but then they're going to know that you messed up if you're just sitting there like, uh. <laughs> you know, something that I've thought about a lot is when I'm doing my podcast, sometimes I'll finish an episode. I'm like, oh my God, that was so scattered. But then I go back and listen to it. I'm like, it wasn't scattered at all. So it, it all goes like in our head, we get in our heads about it and we worry, oh my gosh, is that coming off insane? But then when you again, look at it from kind of that 30,000 feet perspective, you're just like, oh, that was totally fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. And I've done that before. Like I've been interviewed for a podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. And I went back and listened. I'm like, it really wasn't that bad. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We just, we get in our heads because we are fearful of what other people are thinking about us. But if we just allow ourselves to be present, to really be in the moment and I'll, I'll kind of give you, you know, the example of when I was launching my book, I told people, I said, okay, so this book is about like authentic conversations. I said, one of the things that I really want you to do is when you're in the conversation, stop thinking about what you're going to say next and really just be present. And if you allow yourself to be present and listen to what is being said, it's a lot easier to, to just be in that moment and not worry about what you're going to say next because everything flows so naturally. Did you ever have a, a problem with thinking about what you're going to say next? Or have you always been kind of a listener where you're like, oh, I'm just in the in the present moment listening? Oh God, no. <laughs> this is it took a long, long time to learn. And I think a lot of it was because I was super nervous. And I'll, when I was first teaching like a new subject, I was really nervous about, am I teaching this properly or am I, am I teaching them wrong? And it all came down to learning to trust myself, knowing that I was prepared because when I trusted myself, I didn't have to worry about what was going to, what I was going to say next. But there was a lot of times where I did worry about that because I didn't feel confident in myself. And that was really scary. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm literally doing it right now, listening to you and at the same time thinking about what I'm going to say next. So that's something I've been trying to work on, especially for the purpose of this podcast. But one of my podcast listeners, actually, he sent me a podcast to listen to about the types of listeners. And one of the types of listeners was the type of listener that is always thinking about what they're going to say next. And I I, then I talked to my husband after listening to this podcast uh, episode And he told me, you always are thinking about what you're going to say next without actually listening. And that was even before I told him like types of listeners. (laughs) So I was like, okay, yeah, I have some confirmation here. I I think it's super common for people to feel that way. And again, it, it, it's all rooted in fear, fear of what people are going to think of you. If you don't know what to say in response or fear, fear of 
what what if you don't have anything to say in response? And so I I notice in a lot of people's actions, it's all rooted in fear and fear of how people are going to view them. And that's why we actively try and prepare our answers because we want to be confident. We want to sound knowledgeable. But I always tell people, I challenge them that maybe if we actually turn that off and are in the present moment, it will be easier for us to respond. And even if it's not, we can just say, I have to think about that for a minute and that's okay too. <laughs> yeah, that that's so true because I mean, that's probably my fear in wanting to improve my listening skills for the podcast specifically is saying like, what if I don't have a follow-up question for that? <laughs> and that's, uh, that's a, a very reason as a podcast host, I get that. You're like, what, what do I do? What if they say something that's like insane? So I get it. <laughs> I yeah. get it. How do you move past that fear in like specifically for your podcast? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. If something really throws me for a loop, I just know that I can edit it out and I can just move on to another topic. So even if the podcast at that moment while we're recording, it's like really weird. And I just like segue into something different. I know that I can edit it and it's okay. Yeah, that's kind of, I've been thinking about that too, which it it's mostly comes up if I'm like, oh, I really need to cough. Like, oh, I'm just going to cough and not feel stressed about it because I can edit it out later. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. And I'm going to be even honest, like more honest, like my podcast, I very, very rarely edit because I want people to see the awkward parts and I want people to see like that there might be hiccups or that I might cough or, you know, I might take a big breath, but I want people to see that and understand that those types of things are okay as well. But like I said, if you have something that's really weird, you can edit it out if it doesn't feel right. And that's okay. Yeah. So your podcast is a year old. It just turned a year old, right? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. How yes. have you, what is your like biggest proud moment um, in the last year of having a podcast? Oh, I like that question. Okay. I'm going to actually say it was really recently. So it was actually right after the Empower Her conference. I did a super duper vulnerable episode about you know, what I experienced at the event and you were there. So you, you were there to experience my mental breakdown at the event. (laughs) Um, but I got very, very vulnerable on an episode and that was really challenging for me because we'll kind of go back to, you know, I say like, I'm very prepared a lot of the time. And because I come very prepared, I feel like I'm looking at it very professionally. And I try to not include my emotions a lot of the time when I do my podcast. And I realized at the Empower Her event that that wasn't serving me. And so I did a podcast episode where I kind of revealed a lot of the feelings and emotions that I work through on a regular basis. And that was pretty groundbreaking for me because I realized that people are going to listen to my podcast, whether I'm a quote unquote professional or whether I'm vulnerable, people feel connected to both and it's important to include both. So that was, I would say probably a big highlight from the last year of podcasting. Yeah. And like you said, I was there at the event. So I got to witness the experience that was there. And then following up, listening to that podcast that you did, I was very proud of you as well, because I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so hard just to to record something like that. And especially for someone like you and probably the me too, where 
we have this comfort in being prepared and then we're like, okay, we're going to try not being prepared. It's <laughs> That's so, hard. it's so scary. It's so incredibly scary. But at the same time, I, like I said, I think it really serves people to see that too. Um, because people need to know that, you know, we're not always scripted and we're not always going to have three practical action steps for you to take away. And, and sometimes you just need to let it out. And, um, so that was a, that was a big turning point, I think for me. And, and that really helped me. Yeah. What was your biggest struggle for the last year in podcasting? Um, I would say there's been moments that I didn't necessarily feel as connected to the podcast because of other like event ventures that I was doing, like, especially when I was doing my book and it was really hard to dedicate time to the podcast. Um, I would say I really struggled through feeling connected and creating content that was aligned. Um, and so I would say that was, that was really difficult, but knowing knowing that I wanted to do it, but knowing that it wasn't getting the attention it deserved was really hard because I could tell that the listeners were not as engaged and I felt responsible for that. Um, So that was really hard at times too. And how did you work through that? I think I went back to my roots of, so like I did a few episodes that were a little bit less scripted. I did more interviews And I realized that that didn't necessarily feel as aligned for me. So going back to just brainstorming and preparing a little bit more, um, doing more solo episodes and kind of leaving the bonus episodes as my interviews and that, that felt way more aligned and just really leaning into that. Mm -hmm. That's so good that you kind of talk about like the different things that you tried because um, just, I mean, this podcast for me is pretty new. And so I've had to try different things. And even if you like get advice from other people, like I've heard, um, I don't know if you listen to the heart and hustle podcast, they're really good, but they talk about their exact process for how they record and edit and, and publish an episode. And obviously their process looks a lot different than mine. Cause they have people to help and stuff. Um, but they were talking about how they have, they send this email out to people to like prepare them for the meeting. And as you know, because you got, you were the receiving end, I kind of started doing that, but I had to try different things because there's like, um, some people want exact questions and some people Mm -hmm. are like, I just want to do it on the fly. So I had to like, I've tried both ways and I had to see what works best for me Uh, in the end. It's just like a general, here's some general questions we might or might not ask. So it's like Mm -hmm. more of a conversation, but it's just good that you talk about like, what is, what works best for you? Mm-hmm. I like how you talked about and that. I, and I think that it, it you, I mean, you said it, like, it's going to be very different for each person. And for me, like people would probably laugh at me if they looked, because when I outline a podcast, like I outline it, like I am doing an, a professional outline, like beautiful notes. Like I outline it very specifically, but also very loosely. It's, it's hard to explain, but that works so well for me because I know that when I start my podcast, I don't often look at my notes, but having written it down helps me so much. Whereas, you know, like I've done episodes where I've gone completely unscripted and while they have been fine, I don't necessarily feel as good about them at the end or kind of what you said, like getting interviews. I've done the exact same thing where I've given people specific questions. And I said, I want you to send them back to me before we actually interview. I've done things where like, Hey, I'm just going to send you an outline. Tell me if it looks good. 
but finding what works has been a process. And I've had times where I haven't followed my process and have realized that that sucked for me. But then uh, there's been times where I followed my process and I'm like, oh yeah, this feels good. This is a good rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to your original fear of, will you be good at anything again? Mm -hmm. And it just really cements that in my mind, like it's just such a process because you have Mm -hmm. to try, you have to fail. You have to see what's going to work. And it's so funny. I'm, this is like probably something I need to work on personally, but I'm not the best at taking compliments. And, um, anytime someone's like, Oh, I listen to your podcast. I really like it. My response is always, Oh, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, even no, like, that's how I truly feel about it. It, it can always get better, but mm-hmm. even, um, I don't know, just, I think it's funny that that's how I respond. I probably should think of a different response. Uh, you know, so I think I did a podcast episode about that. Like, I think kind of near the beginning of when I was doing my podcast, I did an episode specifically focused on that because sometimes it is really super hard to take compliments because we see the behind the scenes that other people don't see. And so we know all of the things that have failed and we know all of the things that haven't gone as planned, but they don't necessarily know that. And so I think it's, there's a comfort in knowing that even though we see the behind the scenes and the crazy, the end product is beautiful. And all the behind the scenes is beautiful too, but the end product that we only see as, flawed other people see as so beautiful and realizing that there's always going to be beauty but sometimes we just have to see it from a different perspective Mm -hmm. that's good yeah and it kind of I don't know talk you know how people are like oh you never know what someone else is going through it's kind of good that's a good reminder to like give someone a compliment because their behind the scenes might have been really stressful to them but their end result is beautiful so comment on it Exactly. I love to give compliments. Like I am that weird person that you meet out in the world. That's going to be like, Oh my God, I love your hair. Oh my God. I love your nails. Like all I'm going to be that weird person. But I, you know, I think that there's, there's something joyful about when that happens to you, you might be like, Oh, that was really weird. But then you're like, wow. Like, thank you. Like it's, it's just a good reminder to us that again, you know, people see us differently than we see ourselves and they often see us as way more beautiful as, as a being than we will sometimes see ourselves. Yeah. And I got to experience that full joy. Whenever I met you at the conference, you were so like welcoming and so sweet. <laughs> well, I, you just are so like, I just love you. Like you're so fun and you're so happy and you're just like beautiful smile. And I just, I just love, I love, thank you. I'm so glad to have met you. Uh, me too. So fun. Okay. So my last question for the podcast is what's a book or resource that's really helped you in your business or your, in your life that you always recommend to others. And I feel like, um, you're going to be good at this because one, you like personal development and two, you wrote a book. So you must like reading them. I do. Okay. So I have a lot of different ones and I like to just cycle through whichever one hits me in that specific moment. And so right now the book that's coming to me is big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. It's, um, it, Oh, it's just such a phenomenal book, but what this book kind of helped me to realize is that if something 
is on your heart. It's, it's there for a reason and it's our job to nurture that and bring it to life. And if we don't, then it's going to leave us and it's going to go to somebody else and somebody else is going to have that vision and they're going to, they're going to be the ones who nurture it and bring it to light. And so that book is just, if you are a person who you're not sure where to go next. You're not sure what step to take. You're not sure what to foster and grow. This book is so incredibly helpful for you to realize like, wow, like how this is on my heart and this is how I'm going to foster it. So Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert is one of my absolute favorites. Okay. I'll have to add it to my list. I don't even think I've ever heard of that one. So that's a good one. Oh, it's in after I also say like, I am that awful person who's going to judge a book by its cover and the cover is so beautiful. And that's what, <laughs> part of the reason I love it as well. <laughs> I'll have to pay attention to that. That's funny. Yes. Okay. So uh, I want to wrap up today by asking people or asking you where people can find you. So I spend most of my time on Instagram at Diana underscore Marie underscore Keller. But I do have Facebook as well, Diana Marie Keller, my website. So my website is where you can check out all my resources, like my book, My Fierce Ladies Collective. You can hire me for public speaking, one-on-one coaching. And that is just dianamariekeller.com. And is um, your podcast on your website as well? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I see so many things. Um, My podcast, Keep Moving Forward, is on my website. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, it's going to be there. So good call. I forgot about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget about that one. It's a good one. (laughs) Oh goodness. Alrighty. Thank you so much, Diana. Thanks for sharing your wisdom today and your joy. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much, Carly. Do you own a small business and need help with your numbers? I can help with that. Hi, I'm Carly Balti, owner of KW Accounting Services and the host of this podcast. Knowing your numbers is definitely in the top five things you should absolutely, without a doubt, no questions asked, prioritize in your business. You might be scared because you think your numbers are a mess, but I can help you get them organized and keep them organized going forward. Go to my website, carlywelty.com, to book a free consultation call to get quoted. Are you just starting your business and you have more expenses than income? Even if you don't have room in your budget for a bookkeeper, I still have something that can help you. Look on my website to see if my DIY bookkeeping template is right for you. Right now, get 10% off my template with the code PODCAST. Diana is truly the sweetest. I really enjoyed meeting her at Empower Her Live, and I'm so glad that it led to her being on my podcast. Here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, learn to love yourself and keep moving forward even through your failures. Number two, don't let the fear that you will not be good at something new stop you from trying anyways. Number three, Make sure to periodically reflect on the things you have accomplished. This will give you encouragement that you have done hard things before and can continue to accomplish whatever you put your mind to. Number four, if you have a fear of what others think of you, just know that you won't ever get rid of that fear. You have to just work through it. It will always be a work in progress. Thank you for joining in to listen to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts. Hope you'll join us next time.